0: It's Monday, March 25th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is The Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly monday bible study and call to prayer today we are continuing our study on the book of acts and we'll be looking specifically at acts chapter 13 verses 1 through 52. And so in looking at Acts chapter 13, I'm going to read for us all 52 verses today as we look at the mission of Jesus as we see it through Paul's first missionary journey. And so we're going to see Paul and Barnabas and John, Mark, and others sent off for the spread of the gospel in the missionary journey. This is Paul's first missionary journey, but we're going to see the mission of Jesus as it goes through Paul and Barnabas being sent off. And so we start in verse 1. Now, there were leaders in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent off by the Holy Spirit, they sent off down to Seleucia and from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of the Lord in the synagogues of the Jews. And they, they had... John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole land as far as Paphos, they went to a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bargesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of the Lord. But Elimus, the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them there and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on to Perga and came to Antioch and Poseidon. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up motioning with his hand and said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen, the God of his people, Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel, the prophet. Then they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the Of Benjamin for forty years, and when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king. Of whom he testified and said, "I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all of my will." of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finished his course, he said, what do you suppose that I am? Am I not he? No, but behold, after me, one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by the fulfilled them by condemning him, and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed, and when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. but God raised him from the dead and for many days And as for the fact that he was raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another Psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Oh, beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. (laughs) As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Parma spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Oh, first we see Paul and his companions in Cyprus in verses one through thirteen. You see, the coming of Jesus was not a search and destroy mission, but a search and save mission. The Son of man came to seek and save that that was lost. We see in John's Gospel, Chapter three, verse seventeen, after the the infamous John three, sixteen passage, it says, but for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, our gospel proclamation, therefore, is the furtherance of the mission of God and the mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost people from the wrath to come. (laughs) We see Paul tell the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So as we read this historical account in Acts 13 and the spread of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus to the uttermost parts of the world, let us be reminded that this isn't about pure maintenance of the faith, but it's a constant stimulation of God's people to search for the lost and to preach the message of the gospel, which is the only message which saves. Beloved, we must be a people passionate for preaching the gospel. May we never sit back in apathy for the spread and the proclamation of the gospel, but fervently pray that the Lord would continually open up doors for us to speak this glorious truth. That's what we see here in Acts 13 2. The Lord opened the door to go and preach the gospel, right? Acts 13 2. while they were worshiping and fasting the Holy Spirit, the Lord set apart Barnabas and Saul to once again go, but the time of the pagan cities in Seleucia and Cyprus. The gospel message had spread out of Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and was truly being sent to the uttermost parts of the world. Notice in verse 7 that that once in Paphos, Sergius Paulus, the governor, summoned Saul and Barnabas to hear their message. He was a man of intelligence and the ruler of all of Cyprus, but he summoned for these two missionaries who had no political standing and were basically unknown in the Roman world. He asked for them to come to him. The Lord was opening up doors. And beloved, if we continue to seek God's face, if we continue to pray and we continue to fast, the Lord will be faithful to put us in the most unexpected places for the spread of his glory, right? The, the question is, will we speak? Will we be found faithful to speak the gospel? Through the ministry of Lifeline, even in the last year, we've seen opportunities through the ministry of families count through lifeline where we're uh, equipping uh, biological families with good parenting advice and and and, and gospel driven uh, relationships through local churches and mentors to to come into back into relationship with their children that they've lost to foster care and the lord has put us in government offices in front of governors in front of state child protective services are we going to speak the gospel when we are there The Lord, a couple of months ago, put us an opportunity to be in the White House, in the West Wing, in in an important meeting. And and we were able to meet with one of the secretaries of of HHS. And and the Lord opened up this door to have an audience with the secretary uh, several months ago. And the question was, would we be found faithful to speak the gospel? We've been before the president of Honduras. we found favor with the the leadership in Colombia. And beloved, we, relatively nobodies and unknown, are getting attention because we sought the face of God. But now the question is, will we be found faithful to speak of the excellencies of God who sent Jesus to satisfy the wrath of God bent towards us so that we might live for the fullness of God? Will we speak? But we must know that while opportunities will come, there will always be opposition. We have a very real adversary, and he may come in different ways to deceive us and stop us, but we must persevere. Verse 8 tells us that Elymas, the magician, withstood Paul and Barnabas, seeking to turn away the consul or the governor from faith. Elemas wanted to defeat the purpose and plans of God for the spread of the gospel in the Roman world, but Paul was bold in the face of adversity. He says in verse 10, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Basically, Paul is saying to Satan through Elemas, Step aside. My God's plans will prosper and they will prevail. Oh, beloved, we must be bold in the face of adversity. It will come. When we are bold and resist the devil, God will get the glory. Verse 12 tells us the proconsul, the governor of, of, of Cyprus, believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So five things I want us to see from these first 13 verses that we learn today from this passage that we must apply to our lives. Number one, we must be expecting the Lord to call us at any moment. We must be expectant that at any moment the Lord may cause us to act. He may move us out of our comfort zone. He may tell us to go. He may tell us to speak. He may put us into action. We need to be praying and seeking God's face and expecting Him to act. But the second thing I hope we learn from these verses and we start to apply is God will always put us in the place he wants us. He will always put us in the place he wants us. No matter where, when, or how, the Lord will put you and he will put us in strategic places for the spread of his glorious gospel. God will always put us in a place that he wants us. And so be ready. And then the third thing that we learned today from this passage that we want to apply to our lives is don't be surprised at the signs of adversity, but persevere. The gospel that we preach is precious truth, and we cannot be shocked that our adversary wants to blind the hearts and the minds of unbelievers. We cannot be shocked when the fiery trials come against us. Do not be surprised. Beloved, when the fiery trials of your adversary come against you, but stand firm and resist the devil. Persevere. Don't be surprised at the signs of adversity, but persevere. But the fourth thing we see from this passage is preach the gospel with boldness and do not fear. Preach the gospel with boldness and do not fear. We must never shrink back from proclaiming the glorious truths found in God's word. We must never shrink back from preaching the whole counsel of God. And then the last and final and fifth thing we see from this passage is God is a searching and saving God, always on mission, and he will use us. God will use those who are available to make his glorious gospel known. And beloved, the question today is from Acts 13. Are you available? Are you willing to be available? Are you ready and willing? It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how learned you are. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are, how you are. Are you available? Because if you are available, our Lord will use us for the proclamation of his gospel. And then we, we see in verse 13 that Paul and his companions, they, 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 they do the work of Cyprus. And God moves them out of Cyprus and starts to move them into Antioch and Poseidon. So Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Persia and Pamphylia. And verse 13, John left them there. We see in verse 13 that it was at this time that John Mark left the missionary journey. This is the event that would later cause separation between Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 15. Why he leaves, we don't truly know. Was he young and immature and and wanted to go back to mama and back to his bed? Maybe. Was he scared because of the adversity that had gone through Elemas and didn't know if he could stomach the rest? We are not sure, right? We don't know if maybe even the adversary was getting the best of him. But for whatever reason, John Mark left. And this would later cause great division between Paul and Barnabas. Then we see on the Sabbath day that Paul is in the synagogue and given the opportunity to preach the gospel. He doesn't have to think about it. Instead, he immediately preaches the gospel. Acts chapter 13, verses 15 through 16. It says, After reading from the law of the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul doesn't think. He doesn't ask for some time. He doesn't ask to go to his study. He doesn't He doesn't ask to do anything. Instead, he stands up, he motions with his hands, and he begins to preach. Huh. Beloved, that reminds us of what Paul told young Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ, who is judge of the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom, to preach the word. To be ready in season and out of season. To reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into midst. Beloved, we must be ready to preach the gospel when we are given the opportunity because we have a God that will use us. We must be ready and he will ask us to preach and he will use our our preaching, our proclamation for the spread of his gospel. So if today you end up on an airplane and someone next to you goes, what is the hope of the truth within you? Be ready. Be ready to preach at any point of the glorious hope of the gospel. And so we see in the rest of this chapter, in Acts chapter 13, six elements of essential gospel proclamation. And so my hope this morning, my hope today, is that these six elements will help us be ready. Help us be ready in and out of season to preach the gospel. And if we take these six elements and we ruminate on these six elements, then we'll be ready to preach this gospel. First and foremost, history revolves around Jesus. So no matter what conversation we're into, we can always know that all of history is defined by the coming of Christ. (laughs) Even today, being the year 2019, A.D. is marked by the life of Christ. Paul tells us in verse Uh, The people in verse 16, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. And then in verse 23, after reciting much of the history of Israel, Paul proclaims of this man's offspring, talking about King David, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. We must preach that history revolves around Jesus. This leads us to the second essential element of gospel proclamation, and that is that God promises find their fulfillment in Jesus. Oh, all of history is filled with the promises of God. Verse 23 reminds us that Jesus came just as God promised. And then again, we see in verses 32 through 33 that Paul says, And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus Also, as is written in the second Psalm. Oh, beloved, we have the honor of living on this side of the cross where all the promises of God are given their yes and amen through the matchless life of Jesus Christ. But we must know the word so that we can show those around us that God's promises find their fulfillment in Jesus. All of God's promises find their fulfillment in Jesus. So history revolves around Christ, but all of God's promises find their fulfillment in Jesus. And that leads us to the third essential element to gospel proclamation. Jesus died on the cross as the Savior. Verse 28, and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in the tomb. Huh. Paul says it this way to the church at Galatia in Galatians 313 14 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of spirit through faith oh beloved Jesus took the wrath aimed for us and the, the, the wrath that we deserve, and he bore its penalty in our place. The glorious God, the God who made the stars, who made the earth, who made the animals, who made everything that we see, the God of all creation, he was hung on a tree. He what became the curse of sin in order that we may have a Savior. Oh, we must preach that Jesus died on the cross as the Savior. Oh, Jesus is the, 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 the re- history revolves around Jesus. God promises find their fulfillment in Jesus. And then Jesus died on the cross as our savior. But that leaves us to the fourth essential that we must preach in gospel proclamation is that Jesus rose from the dead as king. Jesus rose from the dead as king. We see in verse 30, but God raised from the dead. King Jesus was victorious over sin and death, and that gives us great hope and victory. Paul says it in Acts 13, verses 36 through 37. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid down with his fathers and saw corruption. But verse 37, but he whom God raised up, Jesus the Christ, did not see corruption. He is king. Jesus rose from the dead as king, victorious, the once and for all victorious king. And we praise him. It's essential to our gospel proclamation. But the fifth element essential to gospel proclamation is that forgiveness comes through following Jesus. There is salvation in no other name but the matchless name of Jesus. Paul says in verse 38 of Acts 13, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. There is freedom and forgiveness and nothing else but submission to Christ. And so when, when people are looking for forgiveness, when they're looking for true freedom, freedom is not found away and apart from Christ. It is found only in Christ. Oh, beloved, as believers on this side of the cross, we have tremendous freedom. We have tremendous forgiveness if we have laid down our lives and followed Christ. And that leads us to the sixth element essential to gospel proclamation. And that is, however, if you deny Christ, you will experience eternal condemnation. We cannot just preach the good news of the gospel, but we also much preach the true reality of those who deny Jesus. The good news isn't good until we appreciate the reality of our lives without the gospel. Paul says this to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead. Oh, beloved, we must preach the whole counsel of God. Grace is not grace until you understand the depths of your depravity. Our Savior does not save us unless we understand the, the, the hell that we are being saved from. King Jesus is not victorious in our lives until we understand the, 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 the absolute contradiction of our lives and, and, and the prison that we are in that we need to be rescued from. And so in closing... There are four admonitions that I would hope that we take away from Acts chapter 13. First, the proclamation of the gospel is contagious. Oh, in Acts chapter 13, verses 42 through 42, it says, As they went out, this is Paul and Barnabas, the people begged. They begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the following meeting in the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. Who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. And then, verse forty-four, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city, the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Oh, beloved, the proclamation of the gospel is contagious. And so in a day and age where we're trying to see how many followers we can get on social media, how many people will listen to what we have to say, I'm telling you that nothing is as important as proclaiming the gospel of King Jesus. And not just on social media, but in person to your neighbor, to the person who's next to you on a plane, who's a person that sits in the cubicle across the way, to the person that's in your sphere of influence. We must preach the gospel because the proclamation of the gospel is contagious when it is taken root of by the Holy Spirit of God. But that brings us to the second admonition from this passage. We must sacrifice our lives for the joy of spreading the fame of Jesus. Acts chapter 13, verses 47 through 48, it says this, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Oh, beloved, we must sacrifice our comfort, our lives, for the joy of spreading the fame of Jesus. Oh, in these lives, we look and we hold on with sweaty palms to our possession. We hold on with sweaty palms to our comfort. We hold on to sweaty palms to our reputation. And we think that with our stuff, with our reputation, and with our lives, that we can find joy. But we cannot find anything but fleeting happiness. If we want true joy, we sacrifice everything for spreading the fame of Jesus. And that's what we see Paul and Barnabas were going. They were being dispersed. They were going all around. They were finding opposition, but they had joy because they were spreading the fame of Jesus. And that brings us to the third admonition that we see from this passage, and that is we obey the Lord with all joy wherever he sends us. Acts 13, 52, it says about the disciples that they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They they had been in Antioch. They had been in Cyprus. They They had been to Antioch in Poseidon. And now they're being sent to Iconium. Oh, but they had joy. Obedience is rarely easy. Huh. It's hard sometimes to obey. It's hard to be uh, taken out of our comfort zone. But it always brings joy. Obedience to Christ, obedience to God always brings joy. When we obey the Lord with all joy, huh, we, he will send us. And that brings us to the fourth admonition that we see from this passage. And that is, we, when we faithfully preach the gospel, the Lord will work in the hearts of his people. Acts chapter 13, verses 49 through 51. It says, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. And so as they see the, the, the Lord, word of the Lord spreading through the region, the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of their city. And they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet against them and went on to Eccodium. When we faithfully preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will work in the hearts of his people. Oh, our proclamation is never void when the Holy Spirit is engaged and when the Holy Spirit is involved. And so, beloved, this gospel message must be preached. And we've been called to preach it to the orphan. We've been called to preach it to the the birth family. We've been called to, to preach it to the foster child and the biological family. We've been called to preach it to our neighbor. We've been called to preach it to our coworker and our family. And we have been called to preach it to the world. Well, this week, we are praying for the country of Poland. We are praying specifically for two Polish families who are in process. These families are currently working on their dossiers and we pray that they would find favor in Poland since they are of Polish descent. We are praying for one specific family that adopted a sibling set of four a few years ago and has recently learned that uh, their child's biological family has had another child. And we're praying for this sweet one-year-old as she waits for her forever family. And we, again, we pray for favor that the Polish government would give this family the ability to adopt this sibling. We continue to pray for the ministry of, of Poland after difficulties in 2016. We continue to pray for heart change, uh, that, that the ministry in Poland would see adoption as a positive thing. We pray for local courts and judges who seem to have more power in the adoption decision, especially in certain regions. And, and we pray that they will see the value of adoption and children having forever homes. We continue to pray for favor that Lifeline would have with the Catholic Adoption Center and that our partnership would grow and flourish. We pray for uh, Sasha, as he continues to navigate the Poland program and continues to build relationships with government officials. We pray for the many waiting children in Poland, many who are older or are a part of a larger sibling group or have severe special needs. We pray these children would find forever families. And we pray for our team here stateside, for for Josh and for Jana and for Brianna and for Toria as they seek and continue to work with Poland despite the difficulties over the last two years. And we continue to pray for our team on the ground, for Sasha, for Alex and Alexandra as they continue to be on the ground in Poland and pray that they would, continue to have favor and to continue to build strong relationships with government officials, with the court officials, and with orphanage officials. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to go to Poland even the next several weeks. We pray that you would bless this trip as our team goes. We pray that you would bless opportunities in Poland. Lord, we specifically pray for these three families that we have mentioned. We pray for uh, their process. We pray that they would uh, be able to have favor found for them with the Polish government, and that these children would be able to come home to these forever families. We pray for the children who are waiting, those that are older, are part of a larger sibling group, or have special needs. Lord, we just ask that you would make a way, make favor found with the ministry in Poland for these children to have forever families. And Lord, we just ask that you would continue to be with Sasha and Alex and Alexandra as they work on the ground. Give them favor, give them faith, and give them perseverance. And Lord, I pray that you would see your glorious gospel spread amongst the Polish people and that it would invade into the orphanages and into the foster homes and that these children would come to know the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunities to work in Poland and pray that you would continue to go before us as we seek to make your name known. It's in your name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. Well. Please take the opportunity today to rate the Defender podcast on your favorite podcast listening app, be that the iTunes podcast app or Stitcher or another podcast catcher that you may listen to. Would you please rate the Defender podcast? That helps us to be able to be found by other people, but it also lets us know that you're enjoying uh, this podcast. Also, please take the opportunity to drop a line to us at info at and let us know how the Defender podcast may be ministering to your family or encouraging your or being used by you to encourage others? Would you also allow us to know other topics that you think might be helpful or folks you think we may need to interview or things we may need to discuss or, or anything you would like to learn that we can bring to the Defender Podcast? Please drop us a line again at info at Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info@lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.